Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, all you HR and people leaders out there. Welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marable, CEO of Employee Cycle. And you know Employee Cycle, we're the people dashboard that's helping all of you HR and people leaders out there automate your HR reporting and analytics process. Why do we do it? Because we know you all hate the manual, tedious, time-consuming process of pulling spreadsheets from all your different systems to try to understand what's up with your workforce. We know you're logging into your HRIS, ATS, engagement platform, performance platform, and trying to pull all that data together to understand what's happening across your employee base. And you always ask yourself, there has to be a better way. Well, look no further because you can go to EmployeeCycle.com to learn how we can pull all your data from all your different systems into one place. Simply connect your systems like Bamboo HR, Namely, Zenefit, Sapling, Trinet, Paylocity, Greenhouse, 15.5. I'm running out of breath listing all the systems that we can help you connect to your people dashboard. Go to EmployeeCycle.com to get a demo, and we would love to learn how we can help you make smarter and more data-driven workforce decisions. But that's enough about us because we have a great guest today. So please help me welcome to the show, Lisa Bowers, the Chief People Officer at Dupaco Community Credit Union. And today we're going to discuss how to use HR data to navigate the workforce through COVID. Lisa, welcome to the podcast. Woo! Go, Lisa! Welcome! <laughs> Woo-hoo! Thanks for having me, Bruce. I'm excited to talk about this topic. Awesome. So, Lisa, we're going to kick this thing off the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR? Wow. Well, that's a long, uh, a long story, but uh, to, to trim it up uh, quickly, I actually have a background in education, had my BA in, in education, and uh, decided very quickly that I, I enjoyed children, but I was really um, looking for more of a challenge in the business world. And so took my training, um, took my education background, switched it to training. And so my career started off in the uh, training and development world, and then uh, just kept going from there, um, learning more and more about HR, uh, connecting with people. I have a real passion for helping coach and develop people. And that just seemed to the career path uh, and journey just uh, kept unfolding from there. So, yeah. Got it. I mean, when you really think about it, children, employees, kind of the same thing, right? (laughs) Yeah, some of the same challenges, definitely. Uh, Yeah, definitely. Sometimes you wonder which one is easier, but uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. All right. So today we're discussing how to use HR data to navigate the workforce through covid And as a people dashboard company, one of our missions is to help HR make smarter, more data-driven workforce decisions, really be seen as strategic and as a true business partner. So using data from the HR function has been something, especially over the past few years, that's really been increasing. So I'm curious to know, pre-COVID, how were you looking to use data and what are some of the use cases you were doing? before we get into how it's changed because of COVID? Sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, turnover um, is is one that we, you know, always want to monitor and understand. 
Um, and so that's something that we had done, you know, pre-COVID. Um, but we took it a step further and we actually have uh, engagement scores and we have um, other things that are tied to retention, not just turnover, uh, that we pull through from a data standpoint as far as risk ratings. So our, our uh, supervisors meet with our employees uh, on a quarterly basis, have coaching conversations, and then go in and kind of risk rate where, um, you know, their head and heart is as it pertains to their, their current career and where it's going. So that was our, that's our proactive data collection. So we have um, across our organization really a heat map of seeing where we have low risk and where we potentially have some high risk in some of our our employee base as it pertains to whether or not they may leave. Um, So that was definitely something that we kept one of element of of data that we kept track of uh, pre-COVID. You know, you have everything from, um, you know, your your typical demographic information that we've tracked and kept, hours worked, things like that. But, uh, you know, we weren't watching as closely um, to, you know, some of the pieces such as our time management system. We really aren't people clock watching type supervisors. Um, and so we weren't using um, we weren't using that data to drive any decisions. However, it's really helped us. Um, I know we're not quite yet talking about in COVID. It has um, challenged us to think about the work day doesn't necessarily have to be from eight to five and having an employee, you know, quote unquote, punch in the clock. And so we're actually starting to look at the data that's already been there. Um, but uh, how can we understand, um, you know, what does a work day look like for some individuals going forward? So that's part of um, some things that we have kind of bubbling in the background. But uh, there's, there's a lot more to do with um, compensation data that we've used in the past. And pulling that data forward for our supervisors to make sure that our our pay is competitive and so on and so forth. So there's lots of great data points that that we used um, pre-COVID. Awesome. And you've given me a lot to work with here. We're definitely going to have to dig into the risk ratings. Sure. We hear HR leaders always trying to figure out how can you predisc- predict risk and attrition. And it's so hard. It's It's not like a customer where you could say, oh, well, if a person didn't log into, let's say, Netflix for a certain amount of times, then they're three times as likely to stop using it because they're just not watching TV shows anymore in the past 30 or 45 days. Whereas a person and people were so complex and there's so many variables. But I love the fact that you said you're using both head and heart to understand where people are. So can you give us some more details around what does that look like? What types of questions are you asking? And is that in survey form? Is it one-on-ones, check-ins? What does that look like? Sure. There's there's all kinds of different um, data points that are coming in organically, whether it's just a, a brief conversation that a coach, you know, that a supervisor has with uh, an employee and they jot down some notes to say, hmm, that either rose a little bit of an eyebrow or something that we might want to talk about later. Um, so it can happen very um, naturally through normal um, conversations. But we do, you know, ask our supervisors and most all, almost all of them, 90% of them have more than just one coaching session per quarter. But we do have a dedicated effort that we do track one coaching um, conversation 
And really that coaching can be in the form of whether they've had some performance indicators that, you know, they want to center it around um, how they're performing. Um, But we do ask um, that they also take the time to check in with the whole self. So how are they, how is the employee doing, um, you know, mentally, um, emotionally? So it's not just all business conversations. So that happens in a, in a conversation. We have um, tools for our supervisors to, to use as far as leading questions, probing questions. Um, but a lot of times our, uh, with all of our coaching training that we've done, this has become very natural for our supervisors to just ask these questions. And then once a year, we do a couple of more formal, what I would say, um, questionnaires, which it, we follow the stay interview format. And so they ask once a year the same questions and they typically try to ask those questions around that same time the following year so you can really see if anything has significantly changed um we also do pulse surveys and really those are more of your um you know once in a while like pop up let's see how you're doing how are you thinking and that is more of a general sense so that we can kind of pick up on if there are certain areas of our credit union or um, certain, um, you know, feelings towards either the organization, our role, or the world around them. So there's lots of different pieces of uh, data points, conversations that come into that supervisor um, based off of how they feel. Um, again, it, it's it's you know it's very subjective. It's it's still not you know a, like you were saying before a real solid quantitative um, number, but it's really how do they feel and you know as they've connected with that employee. Um, the best that they can, um, where are they at? This opens up very vulnerable and transparent conversations. Very, very, very rarely do we have someone just come in with a resignation letter um, or say, you know, my husband or wife got a new job somewhere else, we're moving. Our supervisors are very in tune with our employees. We keep a very open dialogue. So we're able to do a pretty solid risk assessment um, for our our staff. And we trend that and track that to see if we've been accurate. And that's where, you know, um, we have some more work to do just to kind of see if some supervisors have a better uh, intuition than others and how can we help um, so that intuition can, can get even sharper. I appreciate your response to that so much, and I'm so glad we took a small road to veer away from the topic to talk about that, because that should be in and of itself its own topic. I might have to have you back on just to talk (laughs) about how you should go about creating some type of framework to predict turnover or to better understand it, because that, that was beautiful. But to get back to what we're talking about in regards to using data to navigate through COVID when it comes to some of the areas that you were already tracking, you know, pretty well in regards to data around turnover or demographics or things yeah. like time management, how have those things changed? Sure. COVID and what new areas have now popped up and become one of your primary areas that you're tracking in the workforce for data? Sure. You know, and I think um, part of it's HR data and and some of it is in partnership um, with our supervisors on performance data. And, you know, the the thing that has shifted quite a bit is, you know, supervisors are looking to us and asking HR if 
For instance, can XYZ role be performed from at home? And I think that's an interesting question because as HR professionals, we can help um, explain how you can set up success for working from home. But as far as the role in and of itself and what key performance indicators are expected from that supervisor, we kind of look back at them and say, uh, I don't know, <laughs> you tell us, can this role be performed from home? So we have worked very closely with the supervisors to help support them on um, what are some ways that they can create some key performance indicators, and then how can we um, translate that back to our performance review process? So that's where our HR data and analytics comes in as far as across our organization, what are you know our scoring metrics for our performance reviews in XYZ category and so on and so forth. They've been pretty vanilla, if you will, just very bland um, as far as responses in our performance reviews. But I can see where um, data across our organization is really going to help tell a better story as to those core competencies that we have in our performance reviews. What are some true metrics instead of just a, a subjective answer um, to how someone's doing in a particular category of our performance reviews? Now we'll have some more data. So, you know, Bruce, it's not necessarily 100% the HR data, but it is if you tie it back to performance reviews, but it will be much more um, concrete to be able to um, illustrate and show performance. And then obviously, um, whether or not someone's performing their job at expectations, below expectations, and so on and so forth. So that's one area that we're, you know, as an organization as a whole, we need to keep an eye on, which is what are those key performance indicators um, for each role? And how does it relate back to our core competencies and what is expected in our performance review process? The other pieces, you know, like we mentioned earlier about, you know, um, when, you know, aligning data as it pertains to when do certain roles need to be performed throughout the day. So we were talking a little bit about before about, well, if the normal, you know, uh, mortgage processor, you know, would work from eight to five, for instance, but really if the bulk of their work really has no connection or tie to a time frame, they just need to get the work done. We've allowed that flexibility this year. Um, and we're learning, um, you know, that it, that it doesn't have to be, the work doesn't have to be done within a certain time constraint necessarily because someone might have a child that's at home doing at-home learning and they really need to help them focus from 11 to 2. Okay, well, then they pick up those few hours somewhere else. So the data I think that we pull and that we use from our, our our time management system that may have flagged in the past that someone is going outside of their scheduled hours definitely needs to be looked at. And then again, relate it back to the KPIs and their key performance indicators. If they're able to get the job done and hit, they're doing the job at 6.30 in the morning or 3.30 in the afternoon, and it's not impacting success, what does it matter? <laughs> it really doesn't. And so really being creative and out of the box thinking instead of, um, you know, keeping ourselves to to the workforce norms of this job needs to be work, you know, working from eight to five, as an example. I have a quick question about the way that you were explaining HR data versus performance data. Do you not look at them as the same thing? Because it seems like you're putting HR data in one bucket and then performance 
in another bucket where typically we find that HR and people leaders are looking at that data. It's just different categories of data across the employee lifecycle. But if you do look at it as two totally different things, how so? No, I wouldn't say it looks different. I just think that um, the the established metrics in which um, the data points are set would need to come from those subject matter experts, right? So I think that they definitely do converge and they definitely do, um, they are HR, but I guess when I was saying, you know, if it's, if it's something that we manage as it pertains to, you know, whether it's input or, or tracking or monitoring, we need that partnership, you know, with our, our supervisors, um, to be able to, to portray, you know, what that, those performance indicators are. And then we meld the information together. Got it. So that makes me ask, how do you actually manage your performance reviews? What does that look like? I'm curious. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, an online form, um, a conversation or the employee assessment, you know, first the employee gives their, um, their insights into uh, the core competencies that are, are expected for all of our employees and supervisors have additional uh, core um, competencies. And then um, once the employee inputs their, their feedback on a rating scale, plus any, you know, there's obviously um, a space for, for notes and, and, um, and supporting evidence, if you will. And then the supervisor fills their portions out. And then um, a part of that is also a development plan that the employee can kind of input. These are some of the things that I'd like to work on. And then the supervisor um, says, these are a few of the things that I, you know, have some uh, desire for you to work on. And then there's overall comments. And once that electronic process is done, then they meet, you know, um, face-to-face, whether that's virtually or in the same room, um, and go over that and talk through it um, together to unpack what um, what insights each um, category is gleaned from both the employee and the supervisor. It really is a, is a time for alignment of expectations um, for the role. And sometimes some supervisors will bring out the job description if there are any misalignment or where a super or an employee may think you know, either something is or isn't a part of their role, um, just so that we always can link um, expectations back to performance and so that we can help them career path and understand, okay, so where are you at today in your role and what does the future career look like? Because some folks might say during that review process, okay, when am I going to get my next promotion? Where's my career going from here? Um, and so we have our job descriptions uh, written so that you would know the se- sequence in which if a performance indication would uh, entail that you would be moving up to the next career path as an example or career tier. Got it. And then the last question I want to ask is around aligning HR data and efforts to the bottom line. So how are you currently using HR data to show ROI or show how your HR efforts are aligned to the bottom line? And if this has totally changed based off of COVID, then how so? Uh, it's It has uh, changed slightly with COVID because of uh, where our our consumer demand uh, channels, uh, where the workforce has had to shift as as we've had to close locations. So the the workforce data that's coming through just shows 
quantity of work um, and where it's shifting around the organization. And we really have never had to do that before because you didn't see big uh, trends or, or big shifts. So we've had to be very agile in how we're um, deploying, you know, um, employees. So for instance, if our branches um, are closed for um, our members to walk in, okay, well then what are we going to have those employees do? And we would shift them to then helping members on the phone. So we've used um, a lot of workforce um, and HR um, analytics and data to really help understand um, how can we deploy staff where our members need us and also where our employees need us. So if there's a lot of questions coming into our internal help desk, then we may need to hire more as an example. So COVID has really kind of shook that all up. And, and I would say it's probably actually made it a little more difficult to predict because in the past, it was really easy to see a trend slowly go up. And then that would help us indicate you know, with our supervisors that, hey, you know, you're you're maximizing your staff. We don't want to have any burnout. We can see your call volumes high. What are your um, recruitment plans for your next, you know, um, the next talent that we're going to bring in? So it's really changed and shift, shifted with COVID um, just because of the the peaks and valleys that the data is represented. So yes, we tie all, we, I could talk for a long time about tying our, our HR data, our workforce data and analytics back to the bottom line. Got it. Lisa, thank you so much for being such an awesome guest on the podcast. And, you know, you're talking to something that's special in my heart about HR data. So anybody who wants to come on and talk about HR data, <laughs> feel free. Yeah. But Lisa, this is awesome. And you totally nailed it being your first podcast ever. So we love that you graced us with your presence and had the honor to experience your podcast debut. So thank you so much for being such a great podcast guest. Thank you, Bruce. It was my pleasure. Awesome. So where can people find you and Dupaco online? Sure. Our website is Dupaco, D-U-P-A-C-O.com. And you'll find um, me on, on LinkedIn as well, Lisa Bowers at LinkedIn, and uh, be happy. Um, all my contact information is out there or on our website. Awesome. And we'll be sure to include that contact info when this interview is posted. So for everyone listening out there, if you enjoyed this interview as much as Lisa and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes because it shows that we're creating great content. Also, if you listened to this interview, you loved it, which I'm sure you did, and now you're hungry for more episodes, then please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast players. And last but not least, all of you super awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.